Let's begin by reading from Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. Then, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Wonderful words from Pastor James. Many of us read the Bible, what the Bible says about something, and we nod our heads and say, yep, that's right, but then we never do what it says. According to Pastor James, the ultimate proof of our faith is not what we say or where we sit in church. Rather, it is whether we do what the Bible says. He makes a good point. God's word is like a mirror. When we read it, it helps us to look closely at ourselves to see where we are succeeding or where we may be falling short. Pastor James reminds us that when we look into the mirror of God's word, we can see the dirt on our faces. So we should never forget to clean it off. Let's bow our heads for our opening prayer. Father in heaven, creator of all things, we ask that you speak to us this Sabbath day and every day. May your truth touch our understanding and may your Holy Spirit feed our deeper yearnings of heart and soul. We desire to bring all that we are before you and we desire your guiding hand upon all aspects of our lives. We know that you are always near and that you delight in our worship as we gather 
to sing your praises and to study your word. We long for the touch of your presence. We ask that you would build this household of faith into what you want us to be. Our prayer is that you lead us to do your will. In the name of Jesus, who taught us these words to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Boot camp was quite a shock to me just two weeks after my 18th birthday. There were about 60 of us in Company 185. We were a ragtag bunch of young men of every conceivable size and background. We had no idea what was ahead of us. During the next three months, every shred of self-sufficient arrogance, every hint of independent spirit, and all thought of rebellion was scraped away. We developed a firm commitment to do only as we were told, the desired and disciplined regimen. Day after day, week after week, brought about remarkable changes in me. I left that place very different than when I arrived. You can only imagine. The relentless repetition of inspections the absence of creature comforts mixed with a constant harassment from a drill, and, drill instructor, well, it yielded amazing results. Without realizing what was happening while I submitted myself to the commands of the company commander, I ultimately became physically fit, emotionally stirred, and mentally ready for whatever conflict was to come my way. Even the harsh reality of serving as the petty officer in charge of an engine room on a destroyer in the South China Sea. Boot camp training was precisely what the Lord had in mind when he sent his prophet Elijah from the court of King Ahab to a brook at Kareth. Elijah didn't know what was in store for him at Kareth. He didn't know that Kareth would be his boot camp, ultimately something that enabled him to be ready to do battle with treacherous enemies. To accomplish this, the Lord scraped away every bit of self-sufficient arrogance that Elijah had. Let's read this story from the Old Testament. We're back in the Old Testament. We haven't been there for a while. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. Well, God's plan is always full of surprises. If we were in charge, 
we would likely have directed Elijah to stay close to the court of Ahab so he could go toe-to-toe with Ahab. But Elijah had a problem. Elijah was only a spokesman. He was not yet truly a man of God. I can explain this. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, the author describes Elijah as simply Elijah the Tishbite. He seemingly comes out of nowhere. So this whole story does. This is where the story of Elijah begins. And suddenly he was standing before the king to deliver God's message. But at the end of the chapter, in verse 24, and I have to say I'm sorry I didn't put this verse up, after his basic training experience, Elijah is no longer simply the spokesman or Elijah the Tishbite. The woman from Zarephath refers to him as truly a man of God. Elijah Elijah had just announced that a drought was coming, but it wouldn't be an ordinary dry spell. King Ahab surely took notice of the word years. Years. That would have been a life-threatening pronouncement. You would think that Elijah surely wanted to hit the streets and towns to warn the people, but God didn't tell him to do that. God sent him to the Kareth Ravine. I like to think of it as Elijah's boot camp away from the public forum, away from the spotlight of activity, into the shadow of obscurity. As a boot camp graduate myself, I can tell you that every hour of the day, there was someone telling you where to go, when to be there, what to do, and how to survive. That is a vital part of basic training. God did exactly this with his prophet Elijah. He told Elijah where to go, what to do, and how he, Elijah, would manage to survive. You would think Elijah would have found the whole situation quite strange. The first thing God told Elijah to do was to go hide. Hide? Why did God tell Elijah to go hide, to be alone? Elijah was comfortable in the limelight. He was most likely an upfront kind of guy, comfortable speaking in front of kings, comfortable speaking in front of the homeless. But sometimes God simply removes us from one place to reshape us in another place. God wanted to protect Elijah from Ahab, and God knew that Ahab needed training to become a man of God. Essentially, God said to Elijah, you need to get out of the spotlight You need to come up to the mountain alone with me where you can hear my voice more clearly, one-on-one. We need more time together. Elijah, you need more training. And how did Elijah respond? Without any hesitation, we read, Elijah obeyed. He didn't ask why. He just went. Whether in public or private, Elijah was ready to serve God. He was satisfied to lose to be lost in the secrecy of the quiet hills beside a brook east of the Jordan River. We read in verse 6, The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. That must have been quite the experience. His food was brought to him in the morning and again in the evening, And throughout the day, the cool, refreshing water from the brook was available. You know that water was very precious in the land. 
especially during a drought. Yet God provided his servant with a fresh, trickling brook of water. Anytime he wanted to, he could get down on his belly or his knees, cup his hands around the cool, sweet water, the water that gave him life, even though he was surrounded by a dry, thirsty land. But you know what? We don't always get to live next to a trickling brook. Remember, Elijah was in boot camp. He still had extensive training ahead. Verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Oh, my. One can imagine that Elijah woke up one morning and noticed that the brook wasn't flowing freely as it had in past days. And over the next few days, he watched it dwindle and shrink until it was just a trickle. Then one morning, there was no water, maybe just some rocks and some wet sand. The hot wind soon evaporated even that dampness. After all, there was a drought ongoing. Cracks appeared in the parched bed of the brook. The brook had dried up. Life can be like that. One day you know the comfort of a full bank account or a successful business or an expanding career, but the brook dries up. At the zenith of your career, your situation changes. Your best friends move away. The future looks bleak. The brook dries up. Elijah was in a tough spot. It was a life-threatening spot. The brook had dried up. Had God forgotten his faithful servant? Hmm. Our human feelings tell us that once our Heavenly Father gives us water, he should never take it away. That wouldn't be fair. But there's a lesson there. In fact, there's more than one lesson. First, our God who gives us water can also take the water away. That's his sovereign right. Our God may say, slow down. There's no need to expand, what, expand on what you're doing. Instead, let me take you deeper into training or down a different path altogether. When we hit the tough spots of our lives, when our brook dries up, I can assure you of a couple of things. God is still alive and well, and God knows what he's doing. And in the midst of your dried up brook, God says, you are written on the palms of my hands, you are continually before me. A little paraphrase with that second part. Your walls are ever before me. I believe that was an idiomatic phrase of the Hebrews at the time. You are written on the palms of my hands. You are continually before me. Isaiah 49, verse 16. He says that even a woman can forget her nursing child in verse 15. But here's the clincher. Not God not God, because he will never forget us. We are permanently inscribed on the palms of his hands. When you end up beside a dry brook, God doesn't wonder how you, wonder how you got there. No, God says, it's okay, because you are exactly where I want you to be. Yes, perfect. But it hurts, Lord. I remember when times were so much easier, when I drank from the brook. But now I feel so lonely. I know that, child. It's okay. I see you there. I haven't forgotten you. Trust me. And I will take you through this difficult time. We are never abandoned. Not for a second. God knows exactly where you are. And sometimes he decides that you need another session at, of basic training at Camp Kareth. 
Sometimes I'm amazed at the many things that God has taught me and how many times he has used me in ways I never expected in my life. God doesn't forget us. He didn't forget Elijah either. And here's where another lesson came in Elijah's life. The dried up brook was a direct result of Elijah's own prayer. Pastor James spoke about this in James chapter 5. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Oh my, Elijah prayed and his prayers were answered. Elijah played a big role in ensuring that the brook would dry up. He prayed for it. Elijah was living in the result of his own prayer. If you think about it, has that ever happened to you? Lord, make me into a godlier person. Lord, make me a man after your own heart. Meanwhile, in your heart, you're thinking, but don't let it hurt too much. Lord, give me wisdom and stability. Teach me long-suffering and grace, but don't remove too many creature comforts from my life. Too often, we want instant spiritual maturity without sacrifice or hardship. Lord, give me patience, but I want it now. God's spiritual boot camp doesn't work that way. It's designed for our spiritual development toward maturity, not for comfort. God's way is not very popular in today's culture. God is relentless. His training actually never ends. If needed, God will take you away from your comfort and your secure lifestyle. He will move you into cramped and unfamiliar quarters. He will change your circle of friends, just like in boot camp. In the process, he will strip you of your pride and lay down a new foundation of courage and a new kind of pride. Is there a good kind of pride? Your new pride will not be the kind of pride that will defend itself. Rather, your new pride will defend God. There will be a magnificent change and an essential change on your journey toward spiritual maturity. Did you notice that God didn't tell Elijah what his second step would be until he had taken the first step? God first told Elijah to go to Ahab. After Elijah spoke with Ahab, then God told him to go to the brook. And then God didn't tell Elijah what was going to happen at Kareth. He just said, go to the brook at Kareth and hide. I'll provide for you there. Elijah didn't know the future, but he did have God's promise. I'll provide for you. God didn't tell him about the next step until the brook had dried up. We would do well to trust God the way Elijah did. We should learn to trust God one day at a time. And I know you've heard this before, but the reason why so many Christians are stressed and overwrought with anxiety is because they have never mastered the ability to live one day at a time. It's not easy. For some of us, it takes a lifetime getting in sync with God's will, God's direction. And do you know that a dried up brook is often a sign of God's pleasure? not his displeasure, pleasure, not displeasure. This is, this is a real truth. A dried up brook is often a sign of God's acceptance of you, not his judgment. When Abraham was becoming known 
as a great man of God, he was told by the Lord, take Isaac and put him on an altar and sacrifice him. That qualifies as a brook drying up, don't you think? Yet God was extremely pleased with his servant, Abraham. Joseph was thrown into an Egyptian prison after being falsely accused. That was a very painful time for Joseph. His brook was dry, but God had some things of great value for Joseph to learn in prison. Was God displeased? No, God was very pleased with his servant Joseph, and God's direction for Joseph included his provision for Joseph. That is a lesson we should never forget. God says, go to the brook, I will provide. When God directs, God provides. Elijah was sustained during his boot camp experience. It wasn't easy, probably wasn't fun. Boot camp is not fun. When the Lord takes you there, he gives you the demanding discipline that you need, that you will need to be able to face whatever situations will be in your future. God will strip us of our layers of resistance and arrogance and prepare us for the future and harden us for combat with the enemy of our soul. At Camp Kareth, expect God to work on your pride. Expect him to remove you from the limelight. Expect to be cut down to size. Expect that God, that as God develops a deeper level of spiritual maturity within you, that your fears will be overcome as you learn to walk by faith. Expect to lose your resentment. Expect to develop forgiveness. Don't be surprised that God will continue to work you down to the point where you no longer have the need to be right. And finally, God will use his time with you to break your long-standing bad habits, those deep-seated attitudes you formed during the times when your success-oriented motives would feed worldly desires. They will all get stripped away at Camp Kareth. There you will learn humility, and that, brothers and sisters, is the crown jewel of God's work on the inside of who you are, Pride, fear, resentment, and bad habits are found in the hard layers of our lives, layers that God will strip away. When you allow God to shape you in his image, you will not follow the ways of the godless world. Why? Because God crushes pride. He removes fear. He breaks away resentment and he exchanges your long-standing bad habits with good ones until we are renovated from the inside out, until we are ready to do his will and not our own. We'll continue this story next week as Elijah moved on to further training at Zarephath. Until then, amen, hallelujah.
Comes my way. 